0: Hello and welcome once again to another episode of History Dweebs. I'm Tim and I'm joined today by the very honorable, distinguished, mild-mannered Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawkwaters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Charles? Uh, Timmy, I could be more relaxed today. Well, I know because today's just me and you.
2: It's normally, just me and you.
0: Normally, normally we have Brandy and we have Brittany. But, of course, Brittany's getting uh, um, acclimated to her new job. And I don't know what Brandy's doing. We can speculate because she never listens to the podcast.
1: I believe Brandy down on... uh down on a riverboat at the gambling
0: casino? And probably. She's probably mm-hmm. gambling and uh, drinking and who knows, who knows what. She no. was sending
1: me texts last night about four o'clock in the morning all drunk. Yeah, yeah. She, I think she was
0: trying to get some narcotics or something. No, we're just kidding. Brandy is home with a sick child, so Noah, get better soon. Yeah, little guy, poor little guy having problems with his, with his
1: some ear infection maybe. Or yeah, something. I think he had
0: double ear infection, so we probably just violated it by way announcing that, but... Anyway, and you're getting ready to go on vacation, I know, Colonel. I'm getting ready to go up to the,
1: to the beautiful state of Michigan. It's, it's
0: to, one of the the prettiest Big Blue. Places.
1: What's that? The Big Blue. The Big Blue. It's one of the prettiest places you're ever going to go to. And I'm staying in a cabin that's 200 yards from the dog beach.
0: So nice. So can
1: run up and down the beach. So Rudy will have going. a
0: blast. Well, I mean, I'm glad you're not taking him to downtown Detroit or someplace.
1: You know, Rudy,
0: but I believe Rudy will fare well in downtown
1: Detroit.
0: Actually, Detroit's kind of nice because you got the um, Motown um, yeah. Motown mm-hmm. uh, sites and stuff. So It's kind of cool. So well, have a good time. And now, now you can, after we do this podcast, I know you're getting out of here, then you can listen to the podcast on your way to Michigan. I'll listen to it on my way. And you know the thing that's nice
1: about it, what's peaceful is it's like the perfect day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm getting ready to go to vacation. It's
0: a beautiful day out. It is. It's lovely here in southern Ohio. And the devil ain't here. Yeah, the yeah, devil
1: man. ain't here with us. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. like
0: it's like, and it's Friday. I mean, it's, it's just, Friday, and I was thinking about this. You know, and, and Brittany,
1: the young lady, brings a lot to the program. Yes, I and mean, Brittany sure does. She sure does. The devil kind of devil, way. <laughs> Um And this is a complicated subject and a
0: complicated. Yeah, you, issue. You're saying it's over her head? Is that what you're saying? It might be a little over her head. She is going to um, kill you, but she doesn't listen to the podcast. She <laughs> the point. That's pitiful. I but, don't even, why do we even keep up? Our- I don't know. I, you know, it's our charity. It's kind of a... Well, it's true. It's yeah. true. Yeah. But you're going, you can listen to it on your, way, on your trip up to uh, the Great White North. Are you, um, how long is that, what kind of drive is that?
1: We're not going to the Upper Peninsula, so it's only about a six and a half hour
0: drive. No, that's not bad. Well, you can listen to the podcast. I listen to some of our old podcasts. When I flew to Columbia a couple of weeks ago, it I was,
1: listened to when it when we were first beginning. I've noticed how smooth and slick we've gotten. It since then.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're kind of too polished now.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> we yeah. have that problem. We've lost
1: our hominess. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Okay. Focusing Our focusing us. Okay. All right. So let's jump right into this topic because it's, it's, it's we
1: gotta do our obligatory shout out to Dottie Scott.
0: Okay. And and to Scott K. He's been working hard on a couple of podcasts we'll have coming up. So shout out to mom, shout out to Scott and all our friends on Facebook. If you haven't checked if you're listening to us on iTunes, leave us a review. But if you haven't checked out our Facebook page, check us out. Just uh, search for historyweaves.com, like us, follow us. Got a lot kind of cool stuff on there. I think you'll like it. But anyway, let's get into the topic. And today's topic is uh, Charles Whitman. And Charles Whitman was an American engineering student at the University of Texas in Austin. He was a former U.S. Marine and also just to have a tad bit more information on him. Uh, Colonel, he was a mass murderer. He yeah. killed uh, sixteen people back in nineteen
1: sixty-six. Yeah. He was—he was really the first first American, uh, you know. It, it, it came in kind of a time when we really—I mean, we'd had mass murders before. We had, you know, Starkweather. Right. Um, he didn't kill nearly, uh, but uh, but on that scale. But and, on that scale, and and this is when we had—you uh, could dispatch news crews out, right—to get, you know, I mean, because this 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 went on for a little bit. It wasn't, you know, like a movie theater thing that we had. You know it seems like every day now,
0: yeah, yeah, these uh, shootings are common now, but back in the day, this was you know this was like you said, this was kind of the first um with with television and everything, the first like mass uh shooting um and I remember when it happened, I was very young, I was like five years old, but I do remember when it happened, and I remember people saying how odd it was now, of course, like you said. <laughs> Every other day, you you know, someone's shooting up a movie theater or a school or something. But this was um, this was quite weird at the time, and I, I think this is a, a, a bit. Inter- it's a story is interesting to me because he had some at least some level of insight into what he was doing. He knew something was wrong.
1: He knew something was wrong with him, and he was a. I mean, when he was younger, a, a young boy, he was. Uh he tested out at 138. His
0: IQ was 138. Yeah, he was very smart. Very smart. So, so, right, so let's let's talk a little bit about his background. So, Charles <laughs> Joseph Whitman um, was uh, born in uh, Texas on June 24th, 1941, in Lake. Oh, I'm sorry, he was born in Lake Worth, Florida. He was the oldest of three sons born to his mother, Margaret, and his father, his father Charles uh, Whitman Jr. Whitman's father had been raised in an orphanage in Savannah, Georgia. And you ever been to Savannah, Colonel? I have been. It's, it's a beautiful it's city.
1: Beautiful, but hot.
0: Yeah, it's hot, but it's, um, it's a very beautiful area, the coastal Georgia there. Anyway, um, his father had uh, was raised in an orphanage, and he described himself as a self-made man. In 1940, he married Margaret, uh, who was then 17 years old. Um, the marriage... Was pretty rocky. It uh, Was marred by domestic violence. Um, the, Whitman's father was a admitted authoritarian, and uh, he demanded perfection from his from his family, from his kids. He was known to be physically and emotionally abusive, and this was all the way his whole life. Uh, as Whitman, uh, Charles Whitman, growing up, uh, he was exposed to this. As a boy, Charles Whitman was described as polite, well mannered. Uh, He seldom lost his temper. He was a very intelligent, as the colonel mentioned. He 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 was um, examined at age six, at the age of six, and had an IQ of 138. Um, Whitman's academic achievements were encouraged by his parents, Um, but he kind of had, um, even though he was very um, smart, he was kind of lethargic in his studies at times, and uh, when he didn't lived up to his father expectations you know he would be often be beat um his mother was a devout catholic Uh, she raised her sons in the same faith they regularly attended mass Um, uh, whitman senior was a fire he collected uh, guns he was a gun enthusiast and taught each of his boys in early age to shoot clean and maintain their weapons as i know you do as Mm -hmm. well, Colonel. He regularly took him on hunting trips, and uh, Charles, young Charles, became an avid hunter and very accomplished um, marksman. His dad said of him that he could shoot an eye out of a squirrel by the time he was 16. So He was showing signs of talent in that area at a very young age. At the age of 11, Whitman joined the Boy Scouts, and he earned a total of 21 merit badges in just 15 months. Um... And he went on to be an Eagle Scout. uh, And like, wasn't he like the the youngest Eagle Scout? He was
1: 12 years old. He was the youngest, at the time he was the youngest, and I don't know if that record's been broken. He Mm -hmm. was the youngest uh, Eagle Scout, um, youngest person to ever achieve Eagle Scout status. Yeah.
0: Yeah, And that's in the world. world. Yeah, because I know people who have
1: become Eagle Scouts and they've all done it when they were 18. Yeah, they were dogs, basically.
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, on September 1st uh, or he was oh, I should say Whitman also took a, uh, was an accomplished pianist at, at a very early age so he had a lot of talent he was very smart had a lot of talent uh, was able to accomplish a lot in you know when he was young on September 1st, 1955 he entered high school uh where he was moderately popular um and his intelligence was noted by his teachers and peers um at age 16 um he had to, he had a he went some a uh, routine appendectomy, and was followed by uh, that was followed by a motorcycle accident. So he missed some school. He had a, he also had a surgery to remove a blood clot which had formed in around his left testicle.
1: And mm. that, you don't want you don't want a testicle blood clot. No, that's, no. He he really was he he
0: got he had the blue balls.
2: Timmy, he, <laughs> he must
0: have. Balls. He must have. And uh, yeah, that's not a good thing to you, you know. That's that's a yeah, he do not want that. Anyway, he missed, a, he missed a total of 16 days of school. That'll make you climb a <laughs> towel. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah out. but this was quite <laughs> a quiet little bit before that happened. This was like uh, eight years before that. That's a, I don't know if it carried over that long, but... Uh, yeah, that uh, yeah, you could you could almost excuse it if it happened right then. But anyway, one month um, in June of 1959, he graduated from high school. He was seventh in the class of 72 students, so he was you know, in the top of his class. And he uh, at that point enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. He didn't tell his father he had enlisted in the Marine Corps. Uh, because about a month before his graduation, his, his father had beaten him uh, and thrown him into the family swimming pool, almost drowned him. Um, because Whitman had come home drunk after an evening socializing with friends. I'm sure you can relate to that, Colonel, uh, in your youth. In my youth, yeah, yeah. I know a teetotaler. Well, I, I know now you're a teetotaler, but you know this is—you know—he was 17, 18 years old, so. Uh, it's not unusual for an 18-year-old to go out and have a few beers with his buddies, but uh, his father didn't like it, beat him up, threw him in a swimming pool. So Whitman's response was that was to join the Marines without telling um, his father. Uh, so he left home on July 6th of uh, 1958, I'm sorry, 1959, and um, was assigned an um, 18-month tour of duty uh, with the Marines at Gitmo, Guantanamo Bay in Cuba. Uh, his father still didn't even know he had enlisted after he left. Um, during his initial eighteen-month tour of duty in 1959-1960, he earned a Marine Corps Gold uh, Good Conduct Medal, a Sharpshooter's Badge, and um, so he he done, he was doing well. He received 215 of 250 possible points on his shooting test, and did well when shooting uh, shooting rapidly over long distances and aiming at m- moving targets. So. Um, after completing his uh, well, in, mm-hmm. what's an important note that that's where you learned how to shoot the M1. Yes, yes, which um, will come into play yeah. a few years later on. Um, after completing his, uh, which at the M1, I guess at this time this was before the M16, so the M1 was the standard uh, military, uh, yeah, military uh, issue rifle, yeah. So Whitman, uh, anyway, after completing his initial assignment, um, he applied for a U.S. and Marine Corps scholarship program, and his goal was to attend and complete college and become a commissioned officer. He entered the uh, mechanical engineering uh, engineering program at the University of Texas at Austin. Have you ever been to Austin? I have been to Austin. Is it nice? And actually, my son,
1: uh, Taylor, just was in Austin this summer. He played the Southbound Southwest Festival.
0: Oh, yeah. They got great music oh. down there.
1: Now, I, I'm, yeah, I've been mistaken. Hold on. It's the River Wall. San, Antonio. San, Antonio. San Antonio. San Antonio. Yeah, San
0: Antonio. I uh, hear Austin is a real cool <clears> part <throat> uh, city. But anyway, he entered the um, engineering program there at the University of Texas at Austin on September 15th, 1961. Um, he didn't do very well. He was initially, he was a poor student and... Um, his grades were really not very impressive. Um, but, he, but he started, um, it's in college or maybe a little bit earlier in Marines, he started gambling. Um, so he was shown little signs of compulsive behavior. Uh, shortly after his enrollment at the university, uh, him and two of his friends were observed poaching a deer. Um, someone, a passerby noted his uh, license plate and reported them to the police. They both were uh butchering the deer in a shower at Whitman's dormitory yeah. <laughs> I don't know man I don't know how that happens you t- Wait, after, kill a deer and, and you take it to the dorm bitch all the o- o- way I've always
1: been against hunting uh-huh. be, uh, my my stepdad's from Tennessee and he likes to hunt mm-hmm. and well two instances one he he liked the squirrel hunt rabbit hunt Mm-hmm. and he wanted, always wanted me to go with him and my big thing was I don't like getting up early in the morning
0: yeah, you know, cold you, you kind of have yeah. to get up early in the morning to get a deer yeah.
1: and then he gives me a
0: uh, he
1: said I got you your own vest I'm like it's an orange vest an uh-huh. orange construction vest I was like what the hell I need a vest for I thought it was a bulletproof vest right. it was just a vest I, do. <laughs> I was like what the hell I need this for he's like so people don't think you're a rabbit I was like hold on you you taking me out in the woods with a bunch of bitches <laughs> They're gonna mistake a five foot ten man
0: for a rabbit. They all got guns. No, I ain't going out there. <laughs> so that's super, right. So, no. so, the colonel ain't never been hunting. Uh, that's probably it. that's probably a good thing. But anyway, so they drag this deer on the campus into the dormitory and start uh, cleaning it, uh, butchering it, and they're arrested. And he gets a hundred dollar fine. And just note this because I thought it was kind of strange. And. Um, like you said, I don't know how you drag a deer across campus without... That's too damn much work for <laughs> some deer jerky. Yeah. Especially at the time, a $100 fine was, you know... That, that one, was pretty damn steep. Yeah, 1960. 60, 60, you could have gotten
1: got to a lot of steak for $100.
0: Yeah. Oh, I know. That was actually 1959, so that was a, that yeah. was a lot. But anyway, he uh, Whitman acro- acquired a reputation of being a practical joker among his uh, fellow engineering students, but they also noted he made some... Uh, morbid and chilling statements. Uh, One such statement occurred in 1962 with one of his fellow students, Francis Shuck. Uh, They were at the bookstore in the main building at the University of Texas when uh, Whitman casually remarked to him, uh, pointing out the tower in the center of the uh, campus, and Whitman remarked to his friend that a person could stand off an army atop of that tower before they got him. So mm-hmm. some indication there that he's having these um, uh, these thoughts running in his mind. Anyway, in February 1962, Whitman meets Kathleen Frances Leisner. She was a teaching student uh, who was two years younger than him, and um, that was his first serious girlfriend. They courted for five months, and in July of 1962... They announced their engagement. They were married in um, the following month of August, the August seventeenth, nineteen sixty-two, uh, in um, Lesnar's hometown of Needleville, Texas. Um, ironically, the couple chose the twenty-second wedding anniversary of Whitman's parents as the date for their wedding. And I say ironically because as we go to this story, uh, you'll uh, Whitman started to keep a diary, and you just you know by reading the diary and what was in the diary highlighting what's in the diary you could tell he just had this um he he was he grew up in a very abusive uh, situation and his parents or his father was very abusive not only to him but to his mother they would separate later on we'll get to that in a bit but um i find that, i thought it was ironic they chose that date as as a date to get married mm-hmm. uh when his parents marriage was far from ideal. Anyway, after he got married, his grades started to improve somewhat, uh, at the University of Texas, but not enough for the Marines because they said his performance was unacceptable in terms of the scholarship. So they yanked a scholarship from him and they, uh, the Corps, the Marine Corps returned him to active duty in February 1963, where he was stationed at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina to serve the remainder of his five-year, um, by your service. Um and I always, you know, I mentioned this to you off air that um I always assumed that um I always thought there was some post traumatic stress involved with this.
2: Mm-hmm. But Whitman
0: never never did serve in combat. He just served right. in uh served in in stateside, area. yeah. Um he he was resentful that the Marines uh pulled his scholarship and he could not continue his study. Um, but he was, uh, when they, when they did that, they, um, promoted him to the rank of Lance Corporal. Um, but him and, uh, when he, at Camp Lejeune, him and then a couple of his buddies were involved in an accident in which their Jeep rolled over an embankment. Um, and Whitman saved his buddies, he singling the hand and lifting the vehicle to yeah, free of, to yeah free just free of, flipped it over yeah, by himself. Yeah, flipped over by himself, and then he fell to the ground unconscious and was hospitalized for that. Um, he had a reputation of being a good Marine, um, but he was known again to gamble uh, during his time at Camp Lejeune, at, that which eventually led to, in November 1963, for him being a court-martialed for gambling uh, and possession of a firearm arm on base. I don't you see like you would have a firearm I mean you know Marine Base you'd yeah, think you would have firearms I but anyway um, no he
1: had an unauthorized firearm yeah unauthorized yeah.
0: firearm uh, and he was threatening another Marine over $30 loan with he which he demanded $15 interest so he was a little loan shark go yeah, no, you have fine
1: to pay.
0: and going yeah that's right anyway he was sentenced to 30 days uh, confinement and 90 days of hard labor and he was demoted uh, from Lance Corporal back to private back to private in 1963, uh, while he awaited his court martial, he started his uh, diary titled The Daily Record of C.J. Whitman and this gives a lot of this diary gave a lot of insight to what he was thinking and as I said before, he um, talked a lot about his abusive um, home life growing up and later on talking about his irrational thoughts and um, kind of trying to figure out What was wrong with him? He knew the thoughts that he was having and compulsions were not normal, but he didn't know what was causing it. Um, But anyway, in his writings, he wrote his wife, he praised her and wrote how he longed to be with her, Um, and he wrote uh, his efforts and plans to free himself and his his family from the financial dependence of his father. He had a lot of resentment for his father with his being abusive. In uh, December of 1964, Whitman was uh, honorably discharged from the Marines, and he returned to the University of Texas at Austin, and this time entering and enrolling into their architectural engineering program. To support himself and his wife, he worked as a bill collector for the standard finance company. Later, he worked as a bank teller at the Austin National Bank. In January 1965, um, he took a temporary job with Central Freight Lines as a traffic surveyor for the Texas Highway Department. So he's doing everything he can to kind of, you know, put it in their young couple. They're just getting started. And uh, wife's a teacher. She's, she graduated, becomes a, a biology teacher at Lanier High School there in Austin. And he volunteers as a scout leader because, um, as we said, he was an Eagle Scout when he was younger. Um, So a couple of his friends later testified, worked with him with the Department of Public Safety, testified that he had told him that he had struck Kathy on two occasions, his wife, which really bothered him because he wrote in his journal that he wanted to be a good husband and not abusive like his father, but it was almost like he couldn't control it. Mm -hmm. Um, In May of 1966, his mother, Margaret, announced that she wanted to divorce Whitman's father because of physical abuse. So young Whitman drove all the way to Florida to help his mother move to Austin. Uh, he was afraid that the father, if his mother tried to leave, his father would, um, uh, you know, resort to violence. And um, he he summoned local police to help him clean out his mother's uh, house and and while well, she packed her belongings and stuff. So he he brought her back to Austin. They didn't. She didn't live with them. They found her an apartment. And she found work. Uh, but he was close. You know, he was close to his mom. Um, so, he's got his mom in Austin now. He's he's he's, he's enrolled. He's going to he's you know, he's back in school. Um, he's starting out with his um, wife and their marriage. Um, and so things seem to be looking up for uh, young Whitman. His dad is trying to get mom back. Uh, he spends over a thousand dollars in long distance phone calls. Thank you. I guess you can. Yes. They still have long distance I mean, yeah. charges. Yeah, long distance. I know. Time. I mean, that seems like I didn't. Mean, you know, and
1: collect calls. You yeah, collect I,
0: remember calls. I remember collect they, calls.
1: They still have collect calls, but from the Justice. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the you're right.
0: But I remember, you had to reverse. They always talk about yeah. reversing charges. Mm-hmm. And we had this thing where you'd call, just letting it. You know, your parents know you're okay. They wouldn't accept that charges. Yeah, there's all kind of tricks. Yeah, yeah. Okay
1: well, yeah. yeah you call up, say, you have a collect call from the yeah, colonel. Yeah. But, and actually my family didn't call me the colonel, but Yeah. Uh, that would be really they wouldn't they wouldn't
0: accept it because they knew okay, especially if they said I, the colonel, yeah,
1: if they said the colonel, they wouldn't know who was just talking
0: about. <laughs> right. Yeah, but um yeah, ATT really. <laughs> they they, had, they, it, were, they it really. It was a racket. It was a racket. But anyway, so his dad spent a lot of money calling from uh Florida to try to get mom to return. And this kind of really stressed Whitman out. Uh, He started. uh, He didn't want his mom to go back with his dad. He started uh, abusing amphetamines and beginning experiencing very severe headaches. And he would describe these headaches in his journal as being tremendous. So that leads us up to the fateful day of September uh, first, nineteen. I'm sorry, August August first, nineteen sixty six. On the eve of the shooting at the University Tower, Uh, Whitman wrote in his journal. Uh, that reaffirming his love for his wife and his mother. And these final entries were written in past tense. So it suggested that they made, he May had made already killed Kathy and his mother, and that leads us up, it leads us up to the murders.
1: Well, and and he and we're on August 1st now, and at 645, he sits down in a typewriter. Mm-hmm. He starts to type out a suicide note. And I'll just give you a big start of this. It says, "I do not quite understand what compels me to type this letter. Perhaps it is to leave some vague reason for the actions I have recently performed." Now, this is after he killed his mother, and, right? Uh, his wife, yeah. So he he leaves yeah. he leaves a couple of notes, right? And when and actually, yeah, and when he killed his mother, he he left a note right next to her. It um, that, said so he, he again, go, he goes in and he what. His mother's the first to go. Right after midnight, he goes to his mother's house and he stabs well, he stabbed her in the heart. Yeah. And he leaves a letter next to her and it says, To whom it may concern, I have just taken my mother's life. I'm very upset over having done it. However, I feel that if there's a heaven, she is definitely there now. I'm truly sorry. Let there be no doubt in your mind that I love this woman with all my heart. Now I'm gonna tell you something. Mm -hmm. There ain't nobody walking around heaven who killed their mama. Okay. <laughs> well, she might be in heaven. He was might, not. but he ain't, up there. There. He he ain't up there. He probably up there. You can do him. a lot of things in this world. Yeah. You can do a lot of things, but you kill your mama, you you gotta you got to do a lot of repenting before you can even get considered yeah.
0: for a. And there wasn't there heaven. some was there some indication that he may have drugged her or was it his wife. I know you. They're
1: it. they're not really. They're not sure how his mother died. There's, there's, a, he stabbed her in the heart, but there's some dispute as to whether how she died, mm-hmm. and whether he hit her over the head first, knocked her out. What he did with her, thing. Um, they they but, never ever was have been real clear on that. Now but, his, he comes back home to his house um,
0: after killing his mother, killing stabbing his wife, her in the heart. Yeah,
1: and then finds his wife Kathy, and she, for whatever reason, slept naked. Um, I, can't,
0: I don't blame a woman and, for that. You know,
1: they always mention when people sleep naked. I don't yeah. Know if ever, Marilyn
0: Monroe was found nude. Yeah. So, but anyway, but he's nude seen in times, the shower. Times.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and then he left a note for her and it says, uh, I
0: imagine it appears that I have brutally killed both of my loved ones. Yeah, and, it, and it's, you know, after reading the story, you get the sense that these are the two most important people in his yeah. life.
1: I mean, they're the only people he had.
0: Right. And
1: says, so I imagine I've really killed both of my loved ones. I was only trying to do a quick, thorough job. If my life insurance policy is valid, please pay off my debts. Donate the He was rest. responsible. Yeah, he was responsible. And, and this, is, this is where it gets interesting. Donate the rest anonymously to a mental health foundation. Maybe research can prevent these further tragedies. I mean, he's... He's almost clearly like he's aware. Yeah, he's, he's compelled, and he can't.
0: Um, but he has some self awareness. He knows yeah. that what he's doing is wrong. Yeah, he knows what he's doing is not normal. His thoughts are not normal. But he, like you say, he's, he has these compelling. He's compelled to do these Actions. And, and it's almost
1: if you could, he, he's almost the. I I don't know if you could make a case, but he's almost what the the definition of the insanity defense you know you, you don't
0: you can't control you know his what's actions wrong and
1: you can't control your actions right. and uh, and he knew it and he said so now at 6.45 in the morning he starts to write a suicide note and he says I do not quite now, I'm not going to read the whole right, note it's a long right. rambling but here's some insight into it it says I do not quite understand what compels me to type this letter Perhaps it is to leave some vague reason for the actions that I've recently performed That's killing his mother. Um I do not really understand myself these days. I'm supposed to be an average, reasonable, and intelligent young man. However, lately, I cannot recall when it started, I have been a victim of many unusual and irrational thoughts. Any in this he writes that he wants an autopsy to be performed on his body, determine if there was a biological region. So mm-hmm. I mean, this guy's just, he knows and, he's messed up. He yeah, knows he's and, completely messed up. And
0: he says he kills his mom and his wife to save them the embarrassment. Yeah. So he knows at this point he's going to do something. And yes. Yeah. He knows it, it's not, you know, it's but not messed up. But stop. he doesn't,
1: in his suicide letter, he doesn't mention mm-hmm. the university or anything right, like no, that. Right, right, right. But there is, um, you know, because. He starts hoarding he knows he's gonna do something because he's hoarding supplies. He went into uh the seven eleven and you know started buying bought some spam and a knife and some binoculars from a hardware store and um and and so now his mother's dead um and we're getting into where he's getting ready for the shootings right He's killed um, his mom he's killed his wife he stabbed them yeah, and when he comes back now. He starts actually. He starts this note, and it says, "Friends interrupted, three a.m. Both dead." Um, yeah. And then he continues on with the note, and he finishes it with pen, and it says, "I imagine it appears that I brutally killed my loved ones." You know, blah blah blah. Just you know, as I mm-hmm. wrote. So he started the thing, and then he didn't go through with it. Right. Or you know, he got he got kind of. You you know, got writer's
0: block. Yeah. You got yeah. Writer's he did. Block. And, um, so we have these two, um, notes, uh, his wife and his mother, or his wife, I mean, his mother, and we got this suicide note, claiming responsibility, you know, and as I said, saying, basically, he didn't want, he didn't want to cause them embarrassment. Now, at some point here, now, at some point through this, this is
1: when he has decided that he is going to, uh. Go, up on, the Go tower. up on the tower because right. if you see the list, I mean, and I'll just tell you the weapons he had. He had a twelve gun shotgun, twelve gauge shotgun. He had a Remington seven hundred with a four x four times scope, four power scope, a six millimeter Remington rifle, an M one carbine. Now this seven hundred rifle shoots a three hundred eight bullet. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. it's like a thirty out six. It's meant to take down bear. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this is this one of those rifles that you can literally get shot in the arm and die because it blows the damn arm off right. and you you bleed out. Um he had an M1 carbine, he had a 357 Magnum, he had 9mm Magnum or a 9mm pistol, he had a 25mm or 25mm pistol. So he's armed to the teeth. He had a machete, he had a hatchet, he had 700 rounds of ammunition. He had knives, he had a transistor radio. he had food, toilet paper tape. yeah, he had so much stuff that he had to rent
0: a hand truck to get up to the uh to get up to the family. And when he bought to the guns, I think that. he he they mentioned to the clerk that he was gonna kill wild dogs or something yeah, it was some yeah.
1: he so he yeah he he did he and he uh he cashed a bad check to get all this stuff, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, what the hell? $250, <laughs> yeah. He, no, he, was, he he told the guy he was going to hunt wild hogs. Wild hogs, okay, yeah. Um, I knew it. I knew it was something. So he's buying all kinds of carbine buying magazines. Um, so at about 11, oh, about 11, and, and here's some, he takes dexedrine, water, excedrin, everything. Dresses in khaki coveralls and a shirt and get jeans.
0: Yeah, I thought the excedrin was you know, kind of insightful because, he, you know, he had been claim, claiming of these terrible headaches.
1: He'd been, he, but, you know, dexedrine, I, I know, was a stimulant. But I'm mm-hmm. not really sure. His, his physician had given He'd been on Valium and dexedrine.
0: Yeah. So they did, they the, didn't, well, we'll get into it later, but they didn't do a toxology test on him yeah. for some reason.
1: So now he's, at about 1135, he gets to the university. He's got all
0: his stuff on a handcart. Well, he pulls in yeah, like, you know, um, it's like the bringing the deer across campus. You think it, it yeah. would catch someone's attention?
1: So he gets a uh, parking permit saying he's delivering equipment. He's using a fake ID to get in there. He wheels his rented dolly um, to the main building of the university. That's where the clock tower was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this tower is center of the university. center of the university. Yeah. So now he enters the main building. He can't get the elevator to work and some Vera Palma, some lady named Vera Palma comes in and says, oh, here, let me do that for you and turns it on for him. And he's like, thanks a lot, lady. And, you know, he says to her, you don't know how happy this makes me. <laughs> and, uh it made him happy. It didn't make 14 other people very yeah, happy. But, well, yeah. So he gets up to the, he takes it up to the 27th floor. And that is the main, that's the observation deck. It's 28 floors, but the observation deck is one floor below the clock base. Right there. So he, now he's got all this equipment up there. He's got a haul another flight. Yeah. So he gets up to the reception area, and the receptionist up there in Townsley um, is like, you know, what are you doing up here? Mm-hmm. And by this time, it's too late for her. He, he actually crushed her skull with his rifle butt. Um, oh, man. So, she was his first victim. Um, So, a few minutes later, another couple were coming up there to see it, and... uh, A first victim at the tower. She was the first victim of the tower, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and now another couple come up there, and they're going to take in the view from the observation deck, and the guy noticed noticed a dark stain on the floor, and he thought it was a varnish. Mm -hmm. He didn't think much of it, so... uh, So he passes, um, he thinks Whitman's up there, he sees him with the guns. He thinks he's up there to shoot pigeons, Mm -hmm. to get rid of all the pigeons up there. They talk to each other and exchange pleasantries, whatever. Mm -hmm. And Whitman lets him go on away. way. I mean,
0: doesn't shoot him. Doesn't shoot him. Boy, that'll that'll give you a story (coughs) to tell later on at um, family get-togethers. Yeah, so now Whitman barricades the stairway.
1: So nobody right. can get up there. Um, so he, now two families are coming up here. Because this you know, University of Texas, this is an observation deck. So right. you can see. You got, got an overview of the whole campus. Yeah. So he. Uh, <clears throat> and school, school is in session. Up, and uh, let's see. you got the Gabor family is coming up here. And they're coming up the steps. And Mary Gabor said later that um, she and her sons had thought the barricade was in place for cleaning the reception area. And then Whitman, in his khakis, was a janitor. So 16-year-old son and his 18-year-old brother, Mark, they tried to look beyond the barricade and open the door. Whitman fired his shotgun, killed Mark, um, and shot Mike in the head, left shoulder.
0: He killed one of them, but he didn't kill the other one. You know, it's amazing. uh, You you wonder why he let that other couple go. And that's,
1: that's what's so, odd, so weird, is that yeah. he talked to them and just mm-hmm. let them go. Now, this other couple, maybe he was aggravating that they was aggravated. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think he was setting, I, you know, I think he let them go possibly because he was not set up yet, mm-hmm. you know, to shoot. Mm-hmm. So, now the first shots are, at now these people were shot. Mm-hmm. Whitman's yeah. barricaded.
0: Mm-hmm. He's set up. And now he's looking out over the campus. Yeah, it's
1: 1148. These time frames are important because this is what kind of makes this kind of a, a big thing. This lasted almost two hours. Man. You know, this thing went on for two hours. And this is when news crews could get there. Right. So, you know, I'm not going to go through the whole list of victims. We'd be here all day. Um, but so. Some- Hold
2: up.
1: Eleven forty eight. The first person he hit was an eight. Now, and, and I want you to think about something too. Mm-hmm. He's on a three hundred foot tower. Right. Okay, so if he shoots somebody one foot from the tower, mm-hmm. he's shooting them from a hundred yards away. Right. Right. Okay. Right. So he doesn't have a close shot on anybody. Right. He has a good vantage point, but he doesn't have a every shot that he's firing is not close.
0: You know what I mean? Not to interrupt you, but. When I was reading this, what I was thinking, it, it's almost like for gamers they play um, Grand, yeah. The yeah. Grand Theft Auto, yeah, the Grand Theft Auto game. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's that kind of, yeah. You're just picking, off, picking people, off people, people walking on the street, random people, yeah, random yeah, people. The- he was,
1: it, he was almost, you know, it was like shoot fish in a barrel,
0: right? I mean, not to be
1: insensitive, right? But uh, and the first person he shot was really, it was a horrible thing because the the girl was an 18 year old girl. She was eight, she was eight months pregnant. Mm. And he shot her in the abdomen. Um, it killed, did not kill her, but it killed the unborn child. Um, so you know, the, and there's a list. And and what starts happening here is, is he's shooting people? People are coming to help, and and this is kind of what what uh, Al Qaeda and ISIS mm-hmm. and those have learned today is that they set up bombs, right? and they set off one small bomb to injure people and when people start amassing to help
0: the second and third bombs go off yeah we were um i remember where um place i worked and uh, we'd have these we'd get bomb scares and they wouldn't tell no one yeah and they, and you know the employees found out later and complained why, why are not you telling anyone and that's what they said mm-hmm. because if it was a terrorist act it's most likely that, that sometimes they give up f- yeah. fake reports mm-hmm. to get people out in so the street. So they get people out in the yeah. street, yeah. and
1: that's where the attack goes. Mm-hmm. So he's really, I mean, really people don't know what's going on, and he's such a good shot. You know, people, he can he can just hit people, you know, as as he wants. And
0: Yeah, he's shooting at um, will at this point.
1: Yeah, he's shooting at will. Um, at one point, they send a a plane after him Um, but there's too much turbulence um, yeah they tried a shooting from the plane don't they they tried to they sent a sharpshooter up Mm -hmm. in a plane um, and they and they got him he you know so it's this is going on he begins to fire people walking not on the campus but on Guadalupe Street
0: Um, streets surrounding
1: the campuses yeah and here's one that uh, he shot and wounded uh, the basketball coach Billy Snowden from a distance of over fifteen hundred feet, my goodness um and right nearby her he shot twenty one year old Sandra Wilson in the chest now we're talking about 15, it's 460 meters
0: that this man is shooting people at it's amazing and the um I guess it, it when you see the i mean if to me what we're really when you see the list of people that he killed um, um it kind of brings it home. Uh, it's, a, it's very lengthy. It's, I mean, he killed a total of 16 people and injured, what, like 31. Yeah. So, I mean, he was, he was like Colonel said, he was picking people off just left and right. Yeah. And, and
1: you had, uh, now the first officer that arrived on the scene, um, his name was speed, speed. I'm sorry. Speed, Billy speed, 23 years old. He's the first one that gets there to the scene. Um, and Whitman sees him, shoots him, and kills him. Um, so he's he's killed, too. There's one, and, and we can go through this. You know, you, you the number, again, is 16 killed, mm-hmm. um, 31 injured. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's shooting things. You know, one victim, let me go back to him, Tom Herman. He got shot in the wrist, and it blew his arm off. You know, so what I'm talking about, you know, mm-hmm. when he's not shooting a 22. He's right. shooting high-powered rifles, right? And that's why, you know, so many of these people had such devastating injuries.
0: Yeah, the, the death toll uh, was so high.
1: One guy, Paul Sontag, for whatever reason, he got himself behind some construction barriers. He was 18 years old. Um, he was 900 yards away from construction barriers, and uh, he he had there were three people with him and this this young man um, is popping his head up and and his friends are telling him keep your damn head down Mm -hmm. he popped his head up one time and remember 900 900 um, 900 feet I'm sorry Mm -hmm, 900 feet he popped his head up one time got shot straight through the mouth Mm -hmm. I mean Whitman had seen this guy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know remember he had binoculars he had a high powered scope right but the, you know, they had he just sat there and. But this played out over a long, long time.
0: And yeah, and um, people
1: started responding. I mean, people started coming up and they were actually and they weren't really doing much good. They well, the police later credited it mm-hmm. with um, at
0: least distracting him. This,
1: well, and it kept him in a certain place. It mm-hmm. kept him under cover. He couldn't walk the observation deck freely.
0: Because people, citizens
1: could, were firing back yeah, at
0: him. Yeah, people, um, um, average people who yeah. was just having to have a firearm started shooting at him in yeah. the tower, which right. limited his his it's Limited motive,
2: to
1: where he could be. He had to right. take a spot, but um, really between two columns and shoot out between that. So yeah. now okay. all of a sudden his field of, his range is filled up.
0: Is um, limited. Is very limited. So... You have. Um, I just think it must have been chaotic when he's shooting down on the campus, picking people off, and then people started started just random people started returning fire. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's just it's like <laughs> it's, OK
0: corral. That must have um, been crazy. So, the, you know, the police are there. The
1: police get there very quickly, but they don't know what to do. Um, one Texas Ranger used a, uh, a student as a spotter to help him locate him. Mm-hmm. And that's when Whitman decided he had to shoot through the water spouts, you know. That, mm-hmm. So that that protected a lot of people from yeah. Um, because again, his once again, it's eliminating yeah. his range. And then they sent up Marion Lee. He was a police sharpshooter from a into an airplane.
0: Yeah, that's the um, guy we were talking about. I think, but the turbulence was yeah, too great, so he starts shooting um, at the
1: airplane. Yeah, he started shooting in the airplane. Now three policemen get there. Um, and this one's interesting, Ramiro Martinez, um, uh, Houston McCoy, and Jerry Day. Now, they're, they start to advance up there to the tower. Now, McCoy had seen his partner, not his partner, but his colleague, Billy Speed, get killed when he got there. So they start, uh, they heard the radio reports they run up there uh, with a citizen, Alan Crum. So, it, now, is everyone up there, um, they... They were the first to reach the tower's observation deck, and they get to the twenty sixth floor, and they they got the they run into this Miss Gabor just at her son shot.
0: Right, so they're finding um, they're finding bodies. Yeah, they're finding and, the bodies and her
1: and McCoy the survivors. Uh, Mike Gabor, who's still he's not dead, um, he says he's out there. So now Martinez and McCoy. Now remember, McCoy is a is a. Uh, Policeman, but Crum is a civilian. Right. So they get out onto this deck with a. They want to encircle Whitman. So right before he gets the, to the southwest corner, Crum accidentally <laughs> discharged the weapon he borrowed.
0: Oh, man. Uh, yeah.
1: So now Whitman, who was unaware of either any of them being up there, he's now aware of it. So he starts to fire back. Um, but his attention was drawn to where Crumb had discharged his rifle. Mm-hmm. So even though this was, you know, uh-oh, mm-hmm. it turned out to be a good thing. Because as Whitman sits crouched, you know, he's hiding behind, he's got covers. Uh, Martinez jumps out and fires all six rounds of his thirty-eight revolver. Um, it, now, he's shooting a thirty-eight revolver. And, and to me, you know, I shoot, and I'm not a bad shot. Mm-hmm. But a thirty-eight police special of 50 feet it's pretty it's pretty iffy
2: mm-hmm.
1: um now Martinez fires but and he missed him but McCoy jumped right in front to the right of martinez and he's got a shotgun fires two shots a double out buck shot uh with his twelve gauge and he hits Whitman in the head and
0: neck yeah um, he saved so he, he saved <clears throat> the other martinez bacon because yeah he, Mar- he, now
1: martinez fi- shoots one it's his six rounds. Right. Martinez then gets a shotgun who and he shot and he actually did hit he did hit uh Whitman in arm, but Whitman didn't realize where they were and he's about to open up on him and Martinez or um not Martinez, Whitman jumps or not Whitman, I got Houston. Houston. Houston um jumps out and shoots him mm-hmm. um, twice. Houston McCoy. Yeah. So McCoy shoot, jumps mm-hmm. out and shoots him twice. yeah but Martinez gets all he at first the media. Martinez is running around saying, "I got him! I got him! I got him!" Even though he and missed you missed him, did, <laughs> you missed him six times, and you nicked him on the elbow with a shotgun shot. Yeah, and then your um, partner
0: comes up. And, your partner came
1: up and blew his damn head off
0: and saved your ass. And saved your ass. Um, so well, I tell you, both of them and all three of them or four of them, you know. Oh man, that's that's courageous. (laughs) I mean, I know that's her job, but I mean, that's pretty courageous going up in the tower where you got some psych up there firing away. And
1: well, and you know, you earn your your money that day. And 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 I talk about the timeline. They hit that tower. They got up to the top of that tower. Now this shooting. Remember, it started at eleven forty-eight. These policemen got to the top of that tower at one thirty. Man, so this has been going on for two hours. Two hours. Hours. And what, you know, what I did not understand going through all this is, how the hell was there only three policemen up there? Yeah. I mean, what, you know, Were, what the hell was going on? Yeah. I mean, you have this, now you'd have the whole, the whole, and there's a couple, Billy Spee was a policeman who got killed, but there's one interesting kind of side note to this. Um, in 2001, mm-hmm. David Gumby. Mm-hmm. Um, He was a student, he was an engineering student there. Mm -hmm. He got shot in the back. Well, during the shootings, he got shot in the back. Now, it did so much damage to his kidneys that his entire life he was on and off dialysis. Mm -hmm. Um, It was very painful, very, you know, just uh, obviously it it made for a very bad life for a man. Um, And in 2001, he decided to stop dialysis. Now, he was a very uh, religious, conservative man. His uh, his friends all believed that he was actually committing a sin by stopping dialysis. But the pain and the misery and everything had become too much for him. Mm-hmm. And his kidneys were ruined by that shot. Well, he stopped dialysis in 2001 and died right
0: soon after. Mm-hmm. His death was ruled a homicide from... Charles Whitman. So really, yeah. So is he? Is he? So then, is it? He's the last victim. The last there. one. So he is number. He's number sixteen. Yeah. Okay. He's number sixteen.
1: Actually, actually, yeah. He's actually number seventeen. Oh, there number were 17. sixteen killed there, but um, died later of injuries was David Gumby. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. It's, it's kind of like that. Uh, it's kind of like. Um, James Brady was shot when Reagan right. was shot, and yeah. died years later of his complications. And, uh, so, really changed that charge to, uh, you know, there there were talks of changing the charge uh, to John Hinckley to murder, yeah, because of the uh, death of yeah, James and Brady relating having been related di- or directly to the shooting in 1981.
1: Yeah, and you had, I mean, and and just to give you, you know, how this was going. Um, you know, a, the, a history professor first called at 1152, um, and, and this was another one, uh, Roy Schmidt. He was 1,500 feet away when he got killed.
2: And these um, guys were, yeah.
1: And students, you know, they, the students and the staff, they were, they were trying their best to get the wounded to safety, you know, and they're getting shot when they do And one student later said, that was a moment that separated the brave people from the cowards.
0: I realized I was a coward. I mean, I, they, hey, you know, I'd been digging. A, I'd been digging a hole in the ground. I mean, that well, would have been. You some know, scary the medical show. personnel
1: that came in there, and they were very brave, but they were they were using armored cars and provisioned ambulances from local funeral homes to reach the wounded. Yeah,
0: um, so you know they had
1: time to get all that stuff together. Yeah, and he, uh, one of the victims was an ambulance driver, Morris Holman. He got shot in the leg. Um, But again, you know, we're not talking about a nine millimeter. We're not talking about he got shot in the leg, severed a major artery. He bled
0: out. Um, Man, I'm telling you, it just seems like a game of uh, Grand Theft Auto to me. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah, you, and and I mean. People become, your victims are just almost, uh, you know, you become insensitive to them as being really human beings and yeah just shooting whatever moves like almost like it's target practice or something
1: and and just what's so interesting about this guy is that you know there was there was an aftermath and then you're going to cover some of that um but you know what's so interesting about the guy is that he was he was an intelligent guy he had no reason to he was not you know so many of these guys you see in the in the movie shootings and the things like that they're they're losers
0: Mm-hmm. outcasts in mm-hmm. society
1: loners discarded mm-hmm. um,
0: he wasn't right he, he was he was intelligent and he he also had like I said before he had some insight he knew yeah. something was wrong he didn't yeah. know what it was he didn't know what was
1: driving him to mm-hmm. do this and, and he had actually at one point um, in talking to a psychiatrist back in March um, said that he was just oozing with anger and that he did mention he just wanted to climb a tower and shoot as many people as he could. Yeah. Uh, a, now, that's, you know, not something a psychiatrist is, I mean, obviously a psychiatrist is going to take that seriously, mm-hmm. but, you know, he was, he was, that. Oh, I, I think they would today. They would, yeah, yeah absolutely. Today, he said would. I was going yeah. to, I feel like, going to the movies and shoot right. a bunch
0: of people. But again, this is a time when really the kind of mass murders, mass shootings really wasn't that common. No, but I think what, what,
1: separated this, you know, and, and there, it wasn't that common. And and I just saw, and, you know, statistics can tell you anything, but, um, it you know, mass shooting now is considered shooting more than three, three or more people is considered. Oh, that's the shooting. definition? Yeah. And I saw a headline the other day that said in 255 days, we're 255 days into the year. Mm-hmm. In this country, do you know how many mass shootings we had?
0: No, how many? 255.
1: Oh, my God. One mass shooting a day. One and that's day. a shooting of three or more people. And that is... Now, a lot of that is, you know, criminals. Uh, right. We have, but still, yeah, I mean... You know, we had in our own, you know, our, our own city, we're starting to see a little bit more of it. And, uh, as you know, because you have a lot... When you have gangs, when you have criminals, whatever, you're going to have mass mm-hmm. shootings where... And you got yeah. a lot, a lot of guns on the street. Yeah, well, people were firing into crowds. at One particular person, right. you know, those count as mass shootings too. Sure.
0: Well, anyway, after Whitman, after this melee, and as the colonel said, sixteen people were killed. The seventeenth uh, died, I guess, um, recently. Um, Thirty-one people were injured. Um, there was a um, investigation. Um, Whitman had been prescribed some drugs, dextrin, as the colonel said, but oddly enough, they didn't do a toxology test on uh, on Whitman after he died. He was embalmed on August the 1st, um, the same day. So, I mean, it was kind of weird. But they did do an autopsy because it was requested, as the colonel mentioned in the suicide note by Whitman, and then it was approved by his father. So the next day, an um, autopsy was conducted by Dr. Chennau, a neuropathologist at Austin State Hospital, and um, blood and urine were removed from test traces of amphetamines and, or other substances. But during the autopsy, um, Dr. Chanel discovered in the brain a, a tumor the size of a pecan. Um, now, he concluded that the tumor had no effect on Whitman's actions that previous day. It's amazing how quickly they did that, you know, yeah. like right away. They embounding right away, and then they did an autopsy. You know, and 10, he
1: wanted to be cremated.
0: Yeah, he did. He had a request to be cremated. But anyway, the results um, uh, was that uh, in that initial autopsy that, that, that the pecan-sized tumor had no effect on... Um, Whitman's action. However, Texas uh, governor at the time, John Connolly himself uh, was a victim of of course the shooting in, mm. uh, when Lee Harvey Oswald shot from a um, down on a crowd to assassinate President Kennedy. Conle of course was shot during that incident. Anyway, uh, he was governor of Texas at the time. And he commissioned a task force of uh, different professionals to examine the physical autopsy findings. And uh, trying to find material uh, related to Whitman's actions and motives to try to figure it out. As you can imagine, this was a huge story. Um, the commission was composed of uh, neurosurgeons, psychiatrists, pathologists, psychologists, and the University of Health Center directors. Um, the Conley Commission uh, did toxicology tests on various organs of Whitman uh, a few weeks after the body uh, was uh, Whitman was exhumed. Um, and it revealed, the toxology test revealed nothing significant, um, but they did examine that tumor, and they concluded that the, that the initial autopsy by Dr. Chenar that said that the tumor had not had any impact on Whitman's actions uh, was actually in error, that the tumor they found conceivably could have very well influenced uh, Whitman's action because I guess it pressed on, and, you know, I'm not going to get on to the... Um, we had problems with that word. When we <laughs> yeah. Going yeah, but it's, anyway, it's
1: basically the region of your brain that makes you feel emotion, empathy.
0: Yeah, um, and the, the the fight or others. flight yeah. um, uh, response. So, there is, they they believe the the Conley Commission came out with this report and they believe that the um, that the uh, tumor did in fact play a large part into um, Whitman's actions, and, you know, certainly that would explain the terrible headaches that he was having that certainly was bothering him. But anyway, um, that was their conclusion. Um, now, the, the commission also went as far to say that the um, state of Texas, University of Texas, and state agencies should provide aid to the survivors, including loans, uh, to assist them with their uh, medical and mental uh, issues and support rehabilitations, those recommendations were not put into effect. Um, the investigative officers found that Whitman had visited, as you mentioned, university doctors in the prior year uh, before the shooting and that prescribed him various medications. Admit, uh, he had seen a minimum of five doctors between the fall and winter of 1965, so this is just you know less than a year before the shootings. Uh, and then he met, as you said, he met with a a doctor Cochran, who uh was a campus psychiatrist, and he's where he made the statement that he was thinking about going up in that tower with a deer rifle and start shooting people but um it was never reported, so um not, you know nothing was done about it but anyway, um a joint funeral for Charles Whitman, his mother, and margaret and or I'm sorry his mother and his wife margaret was uh was how ha- his his mother Margaret and his wife was held at the family's uh home parish on august fifth nineteen sixty six so they were buried at the same time and it's kind of odd as a veteran, Whitman was entitled to uh, burial with full military honors. His casket was draped with an American flag. Um, and he was buried next to his mother at the Hillcrest Florida the Hillcrest Memorial Park, And as you said he he had re- requested to be cremated mm-hmm. uh, but he was buried interesting enough, his brother as uh john uh, was um, had a violent death as well. He was murdered uh outside of a nightclub in Florida in um nineteen seventy three He was later buried by his mother and brother. Following uh, the shooting, getting back to the tower, um, following the shooting, the tower, the university closed the tower to visitors. Uh, in 1966, 1967, the university spent $5,000 to repair bullet holes left from the shooting, uh, and the tower reopened in 1968. However, uh, it became a target. It became like the, uh, I guess, the... Uh, uh, Golden Gate Bridge yes, sort of bridge, yeah. people started jumping from its tower to commit suicide. And
1: nobody had ever jumped from that tower
0: before. N- not before, suicide. but now it became like this, um, you know, uh, suicide magnet. Four people committed suicide between 1968 and 1974 by jumping off the tower, so the tower was closed again a second time in 1975. Now, 24 years later, in September 15th, 1999, the tower reopened. It's reopened and it's open today, but it's only by controlled access. So visitors are allowed in for a guided tour uh, by appointment only, and after being screened by metal detectors. Other security measures include stainless steel uh, doors uh, were installed. And I just say shut the damn tower down, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, because some psycho is going to go up there. Again, someday, it just, you know, just close it the, down.
1: What I find interesting about, about him, too, is, is when, you, when you talk about all the mass shooters, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you got these guys now that are, uh, um, he is, even now, you know, from that time on, I mean, he had the, he had the, the funeral with his family. Mm-hmm. He was, this was a guy who was never really demonized. You know, yeah. we, we demonize the mass shooters. You know, mm-hmm. justly. I mean, you, you don't sure. walk into a theater. But this guy seems more of a sympathetic character. I,
0: I was going to um, say that. Um, he, it's interesting not, you bring that up because I'm thinking while you're saying this, you know, you know, if it's not for the play. How, yeah. Other than the, other mm-hmm. than other than that, how did you like to play Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> Mrs. Lincoln, yeah. But he seemed like a decent guy up to yeah. this day. He killed his right. mother and his he, wife and shot up fourteen people. But but um, you know he, he he obviously had concern for his mother. He wanted to protect her from the abuse of his father. He had a very challenging childhood. Um, not that that excuses his actions by any mean, by any stretch of imagination. But like you said. He knew something was wrong. He just Mm. couldn't figure out what it was, and he, you know, he was basically pleading in these suicide notes, "Please do an autopsy and find out what what the hell wrong with me. What's wrong with me? Because this is not rational." Anyway, so in January of 2003, the University of Texas at Austin committed 200,000 and sought another 800,000 dollars into redesign the memorial garden on campus and dedicate it to recognize the deaths uh, that occurred on August 1st first 1966 the memorial garden was dedicated in 2006 40 years after the event a bronze plaque dedicated to all those affected and i, I believe it's like the, the wall in the uh yeah, the, the vietnam, vietnam memorial. memorial the it's names small. are yeah. yeah the all the names are on it so that's why i said if you see it google it or something it's it you know kind of brings it home. It hits home, I think, when you see names and get names attached to these victims. But it lists all the names of the victims. So, yeah, this is um, this is a different one. On,
1: if you got on YouTube, you can see a little bit of the footage of uh, because this went on for two hours. And again, this is when film crews—they couldn't do things live, but right. they could get there. Now the problem, you know, they couldn't get too damn close because this guy was shooting people at 500 sure. feet. Sure. So you know
0: you don't have right you know um, you know this is what three years after the Kennedy assassination mm-hmm. so yeah they did, so they had the, the the ability to shoot footage there anyway but yeah. like you said you run the risk of getting yeah that, your head blown that's on. why
1: you didn't have so much you know TV because uh, it lasted two hours mm-hmm. so you had plenty of time for news crews to get there but again he shoot an ambulance truck. Yeah, you know, yeah. He shooting, ain't gonna have no problem shooting an anchor man. Yeah. So yeah. you know, but he, uh, and and you know I, what I found specifically when I realized, okay, this man disturbed because I don't know if you saw pictures of his mother, his wife,
0: his. Uh, I I did. Yeah. Very pretty wife. Yeah. Very pretty yeah. wife. And he, I mean, I mean, yeah. Of course, you can't tell anything from pictures. It's stupid, but it's not like you're looking at a wild-eyed crazy guy when you see. No, he was. The the little, pictures. He was
1: all American boy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One. What on want you to
1: think about this? You married, mm-hmm. you're young, you come home, your wife's sleeping naked, all right. You come <laughs> home to a pretty naked woman. Stab her in <laughs> the heart. Hey, yeah, that was messed up. Now you know something wrong with you. Yeah.
0: Something
1: yeah. wrong with you. Because there's other things you could be doing.
0: Besides, besides you know, stabbing
1: him in the heart with yeah.
0: He was a sick puppy, but he um, was just something was
1: so in in he the term. Derange comes to mind mm-hmm. I mean the the that something has scrambled your brain, yeah, he was right.
0: twisted and he knew he was twisted, so mm-hmm. I kind of do you do you kind of uh how do you feel about that the commission's findings about the tumor that it had
1: an impact yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely yeah i mean you you look at you know they 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 have yet to find a serial killer, they can almost take every serial killer that they found mass mm-hmm. shooter and they can find um huge huge just uh, dis- uh, not discrepancies that's not the right word but uh um things that or orga- get pathological things that are wrong with their brain organic uh, organic, organic problems that are wrong with mm-hmm. their brain and it's typical abnormal yeah, yeah frontal lobes where people feel empathy where mm-hmm. they connect emotionally with other people when they did it with uh um Jeffrey Dahmer they mm-hmm. found it there um but all these people they study their brains, and they see that their brains are different than our brains. you know and it's not a thing that necessarily you're born with you, you you get now he had a he had a tumor, but a lot of these things are, are things that your brain has a has an elasticity to it, mm-hmm that events can change the way your brain's wired. Yeah. I mean, they can change and, what you and,
0: do. And you know, when we, cause we do a lot of these podcasts on these serial killers and mass shooters, the other, you know, it's, you always go back and forth about whether it's organic or it's the environment because they have, all of them seem to have just horrific childhoods. I mean, Mary Bell's mom pipping her out at what, four yeah. or five years old and, yeah. and trying to give her away. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, almost all of them we've talked about, they've had some very brutal experience childhoods, but you're right, um, perhaps that those experiences, there's an organic impact to that as well, so yeah. it seems that's the case with this guy. I mean, it, although he was abused, I think probably, I agree with you that the, the tumor probably had the most impact on, um... On, that made him uh, go up in that tower and uh, he may have uh, you know thoughts of it before but to actually take that action I think at yeah, tumor the,
1: you know the environment um, and one thing it would have been one thing if he would have gone home and found his father and stabbed him to death yeah but so, his mo- he was always concerned about his mother his father abusing him. he was always concerned mm-hmm. about his mother he was happy his mother got away
0: mm-hmm. well, he, moved, he, he, he drove down her. he drove down there you know yeah, all the way from Texas to Florida to bring her to bring her back yeah, to, to get her, her out, of that, out of that out that environment. Keep Maybe her, stabbed, her stabbed, but, stabbed But again,
1: you don't get a pass for that. And I'm, no, I'm, of course And not. I'm telling you, listeners, you can do a lot of things. Now, tell me, tell me what you know. You just got back from vacation. Yes. what you, you, you met a? Well, you didn't meet. You know, you went down to see a yo-yo. Young, young, Lovely young lady down there.
0: We had a very good time.
1: Very good time. And and many of the things you did down there, you're probably going to go to hell for. Probably, yeah. Uh, but you didn't kill your mom.
0: No, I love my
1: mom. Yeah, Well, of course you do. You got Dottie. Yeah, but, a wonderful uh, lady. So all the things you did. Down in Columbia, you know, he was probably drinking rum and whatever, partying. Drinking what time, rum. Doing a, doing a limbo. Tequila. A little tequila, doing yeah. a little limbo thing uh-huh. down on the beach with your, yeah. with your skinny little Speedos on. But, um, you but did you know, have, you, I did have a Speedo shirt on. <laughs> but you're probably going to hell for some of those. Oh, I'm sure. And, uh, but you, you know, you, you, you can be forgiven because yeah. you didn't kill your mother.
0: No, I would never do that.
1: Yeah, and this guy. Yeah. Kill your mama. I mean, things can get bad. Things can get great. Don't yeah. kill your mama.
0: Yeah, we really don't kill anyone. We're not don't for kill killing anyone. anyone. Well, unless they got a comment. I mean, sometimes yeah. people got it coming. I I mean, a comment. I did. I did a post on. Um, uh, I forget the guy's name, um, but his tombstone was a gangster. It was a gunslinger, and his tombstone read, "It's on history." Dweeb, I have to look up. But his tombstone read, "He never killed anyone unless they had a comment." Unless coming. they had a comment. Yeah. yeah. So, and but anyway, and these folks certainly uh, didn't have it coming. I'm trying then. to
1: think of a movie. Uh, Unforgiven, Clint Eastwood, yeah. when he shot the guy and said, "Well, he had it coming." Clint Eastwood said, "We all got it coming, kid.
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. some truth to that, I guess. Yeah. Okay, well, Colonel, where can people find us?
1: You can. The best place to find us is get get yourself on iTunes. Type in History Dweebs. If you haven't listened to all of the episodes, listen to some of the episodes. Give us a give a, and give us a rating. Give us an honest rating and some comments
0: and some feedback. We would this, love that. I think we have like forty four, forty five uh, episodes out there now. So. Yeah,
1: this drives what we. If you like the shows that we do, it, it kind of makes us choose what we're what we're commenting on. Uh, clearly, me and Timmy are you know very intelligent men. Now we got some dead weight that we carry with us, but um, you know, well. You know. But we can overcome that. So if you want to hear about a subject, leave us a rating. Say, hey, you know, I, I would like to hear more about the, you know, the Virginia Panty
0: Stealer or whatever. I don't know. I'd like I to hear about more that. about that, wasn't it? Yeah, well, you might be the Virginia Panty <laughs> Stealer. <laughs> I've never been to Virginia like, <laughs> lately. Okay, so, uh, or check us out on Facebook and leave yeah. us a comment there. And, if you and, like, you can, and, and follow us on
2: Facebook. Absolutely. Because
1: we, uh, if you like the page... Um, you know, my, my son, and and I'll tell you this, my sons will, they're busy boys and they don't, as as I said, they don't always listen to the podcast, but both boys will, they follow the History Dweebs page, uh, pretty, pretty closely on
0: Facebook because it's just fascinating things that you come up with to put on that. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun finding that stuff. Yeah, we're trying to make it keep it entertaining, and so if you haven't um, checked us out on Facebook, check us out. If you like a shout out, leave uh, give us an email at timtscott at Yahoo.com or leave us a message on Facebook, or like Colonel said, leave us a message on iTunes. We'll give you a shout out next podcast. Uh, any final thoughts as you make your way to Michigan? I'm um,
1: going to make my way to Michigan. I am going to get on the edge of a dock, and I just I just
0: picture the movie Vacation.
1: You know now, you our family is very much like the, like the movie Vacation. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that go awry. There's a lot of, uh, you're the kind of Chevy Chase. Of the I, I am the Chevy Chase. And it, you know, I've, I, it, it's a quest. Everything becomes a quest for me. Yeah. And, 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 there's a one moment in the movie where he, uh, when things just go all to hell and the son starts to pat him on the shoulder and he says, don't touch, don't <laughs> touch, you uh, know. So you get a little tense. I, I get a little tense, but I got three boys that will invariably, uh, Oh, I got three of the funniest boys you're ever going to run into. So mm-hmm. they will, They will. one of the things that I look forward to on vacation is I'm going to relax and I know I'm going to laugh because these boys are going to make fun of the colonel. The colonel going to kick their ass when they make fun of him, but... But you'll be stuff. laughing on the inside. I'm laugh- I am laugh when I kick that. But, <laughs> but what the colonel going to be doing next week is sitting on the edge of a dock. You're going to have a little bucket of worms. Yeah. And I'm going to be catching me some uh, some bluegill, True. some crappie, maybe an occasional bass. And, and you're going to have your iPod there listening to History Dweep Podcast. I'm going to be checking up on the History Dweeb's page and seeing if anybody leaves any comments. Hey, colonel, could you do this for me? Could you do... And I have not, I've been neglecting the colonel's page, and we're going to have to do
0: a Ask the Colonel episode. Yeah, soon. Scott's been asking about that. So
1: if you have any questions, you have any life trouble, you have anything, put it on the history. Marital baby. problems. Marital problems, uh, erectile problems. Dysfunction. Dysfunction, whatever. If you, if you have weight problems, whatever.
0: Just financial problems. Yeah, you, you, you are, and you would provide excellent counsel, I'm sure. So, Colonel, enjoy your trip um, okay. to Michigan. We'll look forward to you seeing you next time. And thank you, everyone, for joining us on History Dweebs. Good day. Good day.
2: Have a catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well.